Hello everyone, my name is Andy Nowicki, I am the Nameless One, and I welcome you to another Nameless Podcast. A few years ago, Catholic author E. Michael Jones published a book entitled Libido Dominandi, and I highly recommend this book. I'll provide a link for it. Essentially, what Jones advances as a thesis in Libido Dominandi is simply this. A man either rules his passions or he becomes a slave to his passions. Jones discusses the sexual revolution, the sexual liberation notion in modernist thought, and he discusses how at its fundamental core, sexual liberation, quote-unquote, isn't, li- isn't liberating at all, because it is our restraint, it is our ability to not simply take whatever we want, whatever, when, whenever we want it. It's our ability to discipline ourselves, to have self-control. It is that which truly liberates us, because... Without restraint, we are, in fact, enslaved. We are slaves. We are dominated by our desires. Now, the phrase libido dominandi, as used in St. Augustine, discusses the will, the wish to dominate, generally speaking, the lust to lord it over others. But Jones adapts this idea and repurposes it for the modern era, the era of so-called sexual liberation. Why am I discussing E. Michael Jones's book, Libido, Libido Dominandi? Well, it seems to me that in the context of what we're hearing right now, this constantly escalating story of vicious and untold depravity coming out of our elites and their behavior in Washington, D.C., in Hollywood, and elsewhere. What this boils down to, it seems to me, is a tendency on the part of our rulers, the quote-unquote powers that shouldn't be, as James Corbett would call them, a tendency on their part to be ruled by their passions. Because I think, I honestly think with these people, these people for whom privilege is just natural, they don't know anything else besides being able to have what they want whenever they want it. And I think they've convinced themselves that they deserve to have what they want whenever they want it. And the rest of humanity, us normal people, us everyday working schlubs, we're just pawns to them. We're just things that they use if they have to, to get their way, and then they discard us if they have to use us at all, whatever way they deem fit to use us. Now, there's a lot of different uh, terms that could be used for this type of behavior, for this mindset, and I've attempted to discuss it in a couple of things that I have written somewhat recently. Uh, conspiracy, compliance, control, and defiance is one, and more recently, Meta Pizzagate is another. 
I try to discuss the workings, the makings of this mindset, which I think is nothing less than satanic. Whether you believe in Satan or not, I don't get into the mystical side of things, but define defining being satanic as the idea that nobody exists but you and nothing exists but your will and your will must dominate and it's natural for your will to dominate others and they don't have any say in the matter and that's that what's more there's this kind of wanton embrace of cruelty and transgression and an inversion of morality as it is commonly understood, as it has always been understood, a standing of morality on its head to the point where the worst and the most awful and despicable and grotesque of perversions and transgressions are good because they are violative of or are good, quote-unquote. They're good because they're evil. They're good because they are violative of nature. And the satanic point of view wants to invert that which is naturally ordered. So I discuss all this elsewhere. Um, don't, I, I don't want to get into it here, but I do want to Talk, I am talking about all this stuff just as an introduction to this one particular case in Hollywood, which I find interesting, I've been intrigued by, and it is Terry Crews, uh, a man who was an NFL athlete, and now he's in his late 40s, and he's an actor in Hollywood. Uh, he's in a show on a show called Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and recently he revealed that at a public function in Hollywood, a highly placed mogul, as he called him at the time, he didn't identify him by name yet, but he said he was a mogul, a powerful man in Hollywood, uh, just suddenly at some function, at some party that he was at with a bunch of other actors, this guy whom he'd never met before. Well, I'll let him tell his, his story here uh, because he, I think his, his testimony is compelling in and of itself. But listen to how he describes what this man who has now been revealed as Hollywood agent, Hollywood mega agent, Adam Vennett. He describes how this man, Adam Avenet, behaved towards him at this one function. And, uh, well, I'll, I'll let him speak for himself. This is from an interview on Good Morning America uh, from a few days ago. And it is great to have Terry Crews here with us. Thank you for joining us this morning, Terry. And as we saw, it's all started from a, a tweet you wrote. Yes. And, and can you tell us what happened? First of all, um, you know, back in February 2016, I was assaulted by Adam Bennett, who is the head of the motion picture department at William Morris Endeavor, one of the biggest agencies in the world, period. And uh, 
what was wild is that my wife and I were at an event for with Adam Sandler, and uh, you know the, the thing is he's also Adam Sandler's agent, he's Sylvester Stallone's agent, he's Eddie Murphy's agent, and you know he's connected to you know probably everyone I know in the business. And now this is the thing. I did not know this man. So you did not know him before this? I have never had a conversation with him, ever. Okay, I knew of him, and I knew just because it's a it's an agency thing, but I, I the mm-hmm. first time I ever actually had an interaction with him was at this event. And I literally, I'm looking at him, and he's basically staring at me, and he's sticking his tongue out, and, you know, it's overtly, just overtly sexual kind of uh, tongue moves. And I'm sitting there like, it's a party, it's packed, the whole thing. And I'm looking like, is this a joke? I mean, I don't I don't understand. It was actually so bizarre. And he keeps coming over to me. He comes over to me, I stick my hand out, and he literally takes his hand and puts it and squeezes my genital. And I, I'm jumped back like, hey, hey. And, and he's like, and he's still licking his tongue out and all this stuff. And I go, dude, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then he comes back again. And he just won't stop. And I, I, then I really got forceful. He pushed him back. He bumps into all the other party goers, the whole thing. And he starts giggling and laughing. And let me tell you, Mike, I have never felt more emasculated, more objectified. I was horrified. I went over to Adam right then and there, and I'm Adam, man, come get your boy. What is what? What is his problem? And so you know what? And he, Adam and looking, wife, and your wife is with me. My wife is right there. Now let me say, he was acting so weird and so strange that I put myself between him and my wife because I, I with this tongue thing, I was I, I couldn't understand. Let me tell you, it's so bizarre. I wake up every morning wondering, did this really happen? It's nuts. And, and you said it, your wife was there. She saw the entire thing. Yes. You, you said you went over to Adam immediately. What was his response? He was like, well, I, I told him. I said, hey, man, he's, he's grabbing my junk. I was, I was like, Adam, what is wrong with your boy? And he looked like he didn't understand because it was bizarre to both of us. Mm-hmm. And we just, and I just literally, I, I, I said, that's now. When I looked at him, it was rage. And when I say rage, I, I felt like I could punch a hole in his head. So just to recap. Terry Crews was at this party at this function, and this man that he, I guess he knew, he knew who he was, but he'd never met him before, just suddenly starts leering at him, sticking his tongue out, licking his lips, and leering, and then he comes up to him, and I guess he tries to shake his hand, but instead he moves his hand towards Terry Crews's uh, genitals and grabs his crotch, then he does it again, and all this is in public, and he's giggling about it. And this is really weird behavior. I mean, <laughs> I guess that you know, obvious. I'm stating the obvious here. But what is it that makes someone behave this way? I mean, think of it in normal circumstances. If someone wants to get with someone else sexually. Typically, you wouldn't just go right up to that person whom you've never met before and without a word, grab him by the genitals. <laughs> um, <laughs> ironic, given the, the Donald Trump uh, interview. But 
that that maybe speaks to this, speaks to what I'm talking about. There's something about the way that these people think. There's something about the notion that they are entitled to things. If they want something, they're just going to take it. And in many cases, because they're rich, because they're powerful, the people who they reach out and grab sometimes uh, like the idea and don't protest. Hence, the whole, idea, the whole notion of grabbing by the pussy and they want it, as Donald Trump notoriously said. But in any case, it doesn't matter, I don't think, in their mindset whether the person wants it or not, because they want it. Again, this is what happens when a person is completely dominated by his passions and has a whole lot of power and is generally revered and knows he can get away with just about anything. And if he misbehaves, it'll get covered up because he's got powerful people to go to bat for him. And indeed, in the case of Terry Crews, it has come out that Russell Simmons, another bigwig in Hollywood, wrote Terry Crews an email in which he told him to just let it go. To let it go about the agent. He hadn't revealed the agent's name at that point. And, uh, Forgive him and just move on. So, again, these guys go to bat for one another. They're in the club, and the same, the rules that apply to normal people don't apply to them. Now, Cruz, this guy, Terry Cruz, uh, he's a big guy, big intimidating guy. He's not the sort of guy you would expect to be cowed, to be intimidated. And as he himself attests in his testimony, talking to Michael Strahan, which you heard a few moments ago, he was angry. He was, uh, he felt rage about the idea that he could, uh, that this guy just, just thought he was entitled to, to just grab him. And he wanted to punch his lights out, but he restrained, he held himself back. And then he didn't talk about it. Now, isn't that interesting? This, this happened in February of 2016. He let the matter slide for a year and a half. But it's only been, according to him, it's only been since Harvey Weinstein Gate broke and everything else is breaking now. That was when he reported that he felt PTSD, as he called it. Now, what happened to him at this party, you know, it's not the worst thing that could ever happen to someone. I'm not meaning to overstate this transgression. But what's interesting is that this guy, who's big, strong, you know, semi-famous, at least, you know, professional athlete, now a, a, a professional actor on network TV with a lot of stars for friends, he let it go. He let it slide. And he only 
felt safe bringing this up again after Harvey Weinstein gate broke. And it was only after that, a couple weeks later, that he actually filed a report and revealed the guy's name. Now, Adam Vennett, I've never heard of him before. You've never heard of him before, probably. He's not a name. He's not a household name like actors or directors typically are in Hollywood, but he is a major power player in Hollywood. He's the power behind the power, if you will. Now, I typed his name into a search engine after his name was revealed by Terry Crews, and he has been put on leave by his company, but he hasn't been fired. And nobody is talking. This is really uh, what I think is strange. It's strange to me, but it might be typical for them. Nobody is talking. There's no one, no one has put for, forward a statement saying uh, that what Terry Crews claimed happened didn't really happen or that it happened, but it was just misconstrued or what have you. Now, another interesting thing is, if you look him up, Ter um, not Terry Crews, Adam Vennett seems to have a perfect family. He's got a gorgeous wife and uh, five kids, uh, two from a previous marriage, I think, something like that. Anyway, beautiful wife, kids, you know, huge house, of course. He's living the dream, you would think. And yet he goes off on the prowl. And, you know, uh, I, I went to his wife's Instagram page and it's still, it's not been put on private yet. And I, you know, I felt kind of bad for her and for the rest of the family. I don't want them to suffer because of what, the father, the father slash husband of the family has done, but it's just kind of surreal because the way that everything is presented, it just looks like a perfect marriage, you know, a great family, a huge house, kind of tacky in some ways, uh, in some respects from my, in my judgment, but you know, it's not my business how they want to, uh, decorate their interiors. You know, I'm not the aesthetics police. In any case, the point that I'm trying to make here is he's got everything you would think, and yet at the same time, he feels entitled to take other stuff as well. So I don't necessarily think that he's closeted I think he might just want to screw everybody that, that uh, appeals to him. And maybe he's got a thing for women and for men. And that's really not the issue, though. The issue is he's a married man with kids, but he seems to feel no compunction about restraint. He shows up at this public function and starts groping this big black guy. <laughs> when he's a married man. 
And I'm really sorry that this is all coming back on the family, <clears throat> even though I don't know them, especially the kids. You know, it's got to be tough to have this be in the news and everything. But it seems to me just something that's worth talking about because it seems like the perfect representation of what E. Michael Jones is discussing, libido dominandi. And in this case, it's just a it's, a, it's kind of a cliche to call it a perfect storm, but it is, you know, it's a confluence of various things all intersecting, various circumstances all intersecting. He's rich, he's powerful, and clearly he thinks he's entitled to whatever he can get whenever he wants it. And it's not even about, you know, I haven't heard anybody say, well, he's, he must, this is a homosexual thing. This is a gay thing. I haven't heard it phrased that way or put that way. Although clearly, you know, he's got a taste for big black guys, maybe in addition to, to women, because he's successfully reproduced with his wife and with his previous wife. So I don't really think this is a case of sexuality, confused sexuality per se. It seems to me that it's more just about how a man in this kind of position with this enormous power and this absolute absence of restraint, neither self-restraint nor, you know, exterior restraint. We see in his case how this absence of restraint has not been liberating for him, even though by worldly standards, he's a master of the universe who's gotten away with everything. And surely he's done things before this. This can't be the first time he's ever done something like this. But my point is, even though he's a master of the universe, he's not a master of himself. And Ultimately, this leads only to self-destruction. My name is Andy Nowicki. Check me out at altrightnovelist.com. I am the nameless one, and I'll talk to you all soon.